Well, hello and welcome to episode 161 of the 1099 for the week of August 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Nodden, and with me today is a composer at 10 Chambers, former audio director and composer at Starbreeze, and a man behind the music and sounds and favorites like Payday 2, Bionic Commando Rearm 2, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, and Brothers A Tale of Two Sons, Simon Vicklin. Simon, how are you doing today? I'm good. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's been too hot in, in Europe and Sweden, uh, and it's uh kind of like we got rain today and it was like a blessing from the sky really <laughs> i'm so happy it started to cool down so you didn't have to do an hour-long podcast in like 90 degree room weather that would have been a nightmare since we're recording right now i gotta keep my door closed so that my wife and my kid who's sleeping uh won't be disturbed and then i i can't open the the window either because <laughs> uh, i got like a highway outside my my house oh my god <laughs> so, well would be... thank you for taking one for the team on this <laughs> not nearly as bad over here um for people who don't know uh you actually did the intro music for this podcast and i think that was around four or more years ago we had i was at a smaller site and we had reached out to you about possibly doing a podcast intro um, you reminded me of that when you emailed me like out of the blue a couple of, what was it, a week ago or something? Yeah. I was like, yeah, what was that? And I, I searched through my uh, inbox for your email address or your name and because um, there aren't too many people named Josiah. so uh, <laughs> It's pretty rare. You popped, yeah, you, you popped up and I was like, uh, it was uh, 2013 actually. Wow. So I guess yeah, five-ish five years ago. Yeah, it's about five years ago. And we had that um, intro for this other podcast that me and some friends were doing. And then when that site went away and that podcast went away, I was like, this music is too good to not live on in some capacity. So when I started this, I used it and have had you credited in the intro of the podcast ever since. But I kept getting compliments and kept getting compliments. So I want to make sure I like, reached out to you to be like, this this song lives on in a way where a lot of people really like it. Are you often getting requests to do tracks for podcast videos or anything like that? No, actually, actually, no. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it for free today. So you kind of, you caught me at a, when I was in a good mood, I guess, or before I could realize that I could charge people for it or something. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy that, that it's still, you know, getting being used and and um, that people are appreciating it so that's fun you mentioned the idea of it being charged and i think back when we reached out to you i'm not exactly sure what our conversation was about possible payment i think it ended up being like a hey just put my site on there and that'll be good enough and i feel like of course now like for the um the art for my podcast i made sure to you know, offer right away, like, hey, payment for something like this overexposure as as a creative person who's worked in music for a long time. And I'm assuming artists are like this, too. When you do ever get requests like this, you said you don't get them all the time for podcasts. But do people understand how to correctly value something like a track or something like art? Is it always just, hey, I'll give you exposure instead of starting out from the jump saying, like, I'll pay you? Yeah, I th yeah, I think it's mostly exposure. I think it's the same for like rock bands playing in clubs and stuff like that, you know, when you're starting out. It's it's it I think it has to do with the fact that people assume that because it's music, it's something that people can can have a passion for and want to do in their spare time. Uh even if it, it could be a job for some people, it's still something that could be a passion and then people and then people assume that you could and you can I mean, you can do it for free, right? Because you love doing it. You yeah. wouldn't ask your dentist or your, uh, you know, a janitor or a carpenter to do something because those jobs are not something you would assume that people have as a passion and that they want to do in their spare time. Uh, but with music and like performing arts and that stuff, I guess it's it's a different thing. So I, I kind of understand it where people are coming from when they... And obviously, I, I was fine with it because I would. I just I didn't get the question too often, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I can I can whip something together." And I I remember I'd bought this new uh, software synthesizer, and I wanted to try it out and and make these like blip blop sort of retro yeah. sounding things. And I loved like coming up with these catchy melodies. And I yeah, I kind of instantly came up with that that little bit, and uh, I produced it 
rather quickly. I must be honest, when I listened to it now, I hadn't heard it since I made it. So uh, it was the first time in five, in five years uh, now that you contacted me again. And I must admit that I'm, I'm way better at producing now. So I, I was kind of, <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, oh, this doesn't sound 100%, you know? Uh, yeah. So maybe uh, we'll see if, if I can if I can stay away from that. But I was I already started thinking like maybe I should make a, like an updated version and send you guys like a reinterpretation of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this time one thousand because I feel retroactively bad that there wasn't some sort of payment for it because I do. It has to be frustrating for someone like you who I, I think you're totally right because people see it as a passion. They assume like oh well they'll just do this you know, for exposure, because it's, you're right, it's, it's not carpentry, it's not being a dentist, it's not a plumber or anything like that. And because people can so easily just grab images and grab music from the internet for free, there's this kind of weird marketplace now for music and stuff like that. But I would assume just for you who put so much time into it and understand what it takes to make it, it has to be a bummer when people immediately assume that stuff comes for free. Yeah, it's, 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 it's as you say, I mean, it's been devalued because it's it's uh, a lot of people assume that you can just grab things off the internet and then and, and get away with that so so getting actual like tailored music written just for you isn't that you know that special because you you can just find something and and uh yeah put it in there in whatever you're doing you know on youtube and stuff i'm happy that youtube had that how did that algorithm like where you can have like tracks uh, in the database and it scans all yeah. the videos for it and stuff because i i uh i don't like actually when people put up like my music and put uh uh ads on the videos and they get oh, yeah. a revenue for ad having putting my music and they haven't done anything to it like they haven't made a like a video like a music video of it or anything it's just my my name maybe or a logo or something and uh, I mean, you can argue that it's promotion, but if I haven't asked them to do it, then it's that I have a hard time believing that they they're doing it out of kindness. They, and they, I mean, <laughs> if they add like a ads to it. I mean, they're making money off something that they haven't done, so it's kind of that kind of bugs me. But yeah, I it absolutely should bug you. I mean, again, I had someone lift two of my podcasts and just put them up on YouTube, like you mentioned, without any, there's just an image unrelated to my podcast. And I had to reach out and be like, hey, I get it, but don't do stuff like this. And I do <laughs> think there's just a general misunderstanding about just who owns rights to stuff and how you can use it. And I, I'm assuming, again, a lot of people who I've talked to who don't know that much about game development know even less about the actual sound aspect of uh, of how games are made. And I think people might assume that being a composer, a music producer, and a sound designer is all the exact same thing. And it's just one big you know, mesh of roles together. But uh, how different are the different aspects of being a sound designer and being involved in music and games between a composer, being a producer, and designing individual sounds and tracks? I can start with just saying that the difference between being a composer and or sound designer for film and how it differs in in video games is that there's an aspect to video games where you have to implement the music or the sound effects into the product and you have to like tie oh the the landing sound for the character needs to trigger when the character lands on the ground or the door knob sound needs to trigger when the player you interact with the door you know all that stuff uh and then you get more you know sophisticated when it's like oh but he landed on gravel then you gotta have a gravel sound and then you he landed on the character landed on a, you know wooden floor uh and then the same with the music, it gets more complex where, uh, you know, in film, you can just, you know what the scene is, you know exactly what's happening. So you can write a piece exactly to that. But since a game is, is interactive, you got to do, you got to like hook, either do the music in little chunks or in layers uh, that can be like played individually, or you can, you know, increase or decrease the volume of them and, and kind of like, oh, the drums only come in when there's action and then it, they fade away when you've killed all the enemies in the area or something. Uh, and then you got to, yeah, create these logic like program or rather tie the, the, the bits of music or the, how the music behaves to these, um, 
parameters in the game, like the player's health or the amount of enemies that are targeting the player or how good the player is doing or whatever. So yeah. there's that aspect. And that's called technical technical sound design or technical composing. Um, that's that's actually one of the, the more fun aspects of, of uh, my job, I think. Uh, I mean, it's I love writing the music, but where uh, game audio or games in general really shine is is in the the, the fact or the the um yeah that it's uh, interactive uh, and to make it shine like that you really gotta you gotta think like okay so how how do we make the music more responsive or adaptive to what the player is doing how do we make the sounds more like for, for gtf for the projects i'm on doing now I, I'm, I'm going into details where that i haven't even, even thought of before like oh when you pick up a box of ammunition maybe that shouldn't be like oh that's the ammunition sound that's always the same maybe that should be like if you pick it up we don't have an animation for it so it's just like um you, you walk up to a, like a like a locker and there's on the one of the shelves there's a medic kit or a, a box of ammunition and when you mm. press the uh, interaction button it just disappears from 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 the shelf and you have it in your inventory so there's no animation but uh, it needs a sound exactly when it disappears there needs to be a sound and i just started thinking okay but if we know that the player is sneaking maybe that sound should be more like like a little bit more sneaky <laughs> Yeah, you can hear that the the character is ma making an effort not to to make a lot of noise. And if there's <laughs> if it's during combat, then maybe it's more like you know you grab it really violently because <laughs> you're in in a stressful situation and you don't care about being silent. Uh, and then if it's it's not a sneaky situation or a stealth situation or combat, there's it's something in between. So I've started making like there's this higher resolution of sounds being added. Uh, where it's like it, it's different from for, for different situations, uh, and I love that aspect of it uh, of of game audio that you have to like cover the basis, like what is the player going to do or what situations is the player going to find themselves in, uh, and you gotta like cover the basis um, as opposed to movies where it's like there's a timeline and you know exactly what's going to happen because uh, you edit it and it's 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 not interactive it's going to be the same thing every time you watch you watch it yeah. um and i love that but as far as you know the difference between sound design and composing there has to be a definitely has to be a dialogue and now we're lucky that i'm doing both sound design and and music uh and there's another guy on the team who's a really talented sound designer as well and he's helping out he's done all the foley sound for the characters and the weapon sounds actually even before i i joined the project um but now he's doing a lot of like level design and stuff so he's um, like a swiss army knife kind of guy uh and, and he's not doing sound any, at all at the moment and i'm doing more taking more responsibility for it um uh but it's a good thing if it's the same person or if the the, the two or more people that do the sound uh, sound design and the uh the, the music uh have a like close like a dialogue uh because you you can't do like oh the, you know if the music is really like atmospheric it might just be like this drone or this you know bassy like sort of audio landscape sort of thing and then mm -hmm. that could interfere with whatever is is the uh, like ambience noise or sound for a certain area so you can't have uh, you know, both sounds are kind of doing the same thing or creating the same, they're fighting in, in the same kind of frequency range. Uh, if we're talking mixing, you know, uh, and you gotta, yeah, do that. Think about that stuff as well. Uh, and when the music is dynamic, you don't know, like you're, you're not thinking maybe that, Oh, the, but the player can, can get into that mood or that, you know, um, drama state is what we call it in in gtfo the drama state of of combat the drama state of of stealth and maybe the player is that in that drama state where the music goes down and becomes really like subtle but it's a lot of bass in it and then that'll start interfering with with uh, you know some engine sound that comes through the wall somewhere in the in the in the complex or something where where you when you explore it and you yeah, it's it's just um it's super 
hard because, <laughs> as I mentioned, you've got to cover your bases. You did mention before that um, you had to think compared to a movie with a game. There's, oh, so you're suddenly walking in gravel or you're suddenly walking in snow. We need to have different aspects of the sound that change based on location and based on other just basic things about the game. Are a lot of those filters you can purchase from a service so i I know a lot of a a lot of the different sounds in games are of course captured by the developers they go out to different places and they find sounds that make sense for the reloading or like you said when you're picking up ammo but is there also kind of a sound store where you can pull different commonplace sounds or maybe filters like the gravel filter and lay that over uh well it wouldn't be a filter it would be a recording of someone actually stepping Mm. in snow because you can't take a footstep uh on like tile and turn it into something that sounds like snow so it wouldn't be a filter but yeah it could be a a recording of someone you know walking on whatever grass or gravel or whatever uh, surface it's your are you are you someone who wants to capture all of the music and sounds for your games like organically and not use other available services or do you think it's fine kind of blending things i am super fine uh, I've recorded some stuff myself and I've, I've collaborated with sound designers who are all about like recording their own stuff. And um, that's great. But I have been involved in a lot of like low budget projects, uh, especially when we started over after Grin went bankrupt in like 2009 and we started Overkill uh, and started working on the first uh, Payday the Heist, the, payday, the first Payday game, mm-hmm. uh, which came out in 2011. Um, I was like, we're not doing it. It's not. It's not pretentious to be recording your own stuff, but it, there is a certain sense of. It's like some people put that on a pillar, sort of. Yeah. Like it's it's uh, you're not an artist, or you're not doing. You know, if you're just buying someone else's stuff, you're not doing. But you still have to do that uh, technical design or technical implementation, technical sound design, and and and, and that aspect of it is still is still very much um a big thing of of uh, in your uh, re- uh, responsibilities of a sound designer so i just threw that all that you know uh artistic uh, ambition out the the window uh because it was we were such a small team and we needed to work really quickly uh it was sort of a shoestring budget project really the first uh, payday game we were such a small team and we tried to cut corners where, wherever we could. Uh, so I, I used a lot of like pre-recorded stuff. We recorded some our own, of our own, but, but, uh, all the weapon stuff, you know, it's too, 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 uh, um, expensive. And, and in Sweden, there aren't many, you know, shooting ranges and you can't get a hold of like automatic weapons and stuff. So we couldn't even record that stuff anyway. So we had sample libraries, that I used uh, for the second for Payday Two, we got a little bit more budget actually. So we went out to a shooting range just to record some real, um, authentic like um, echoes of sounds. Yeah, uh, shooting sounds. So um, it was just like hunting rifles and stuff, uh, but those would be the same echoes that you would hear at the end of. If you if you shoot a burst with a fully automatic weapon, you would still it was still the echo would still sound pretty much the same. Yeah. So we actually did a sort of a field recording there, but it didn't cost more than like I don't know fifteen hundred dollars or something like that to rent an entire shooting range, and, and they came with a lot of ammunition and uh, you know the the people who had the licenses to use the weapons and stuff. Uh, but no automatic stuff, you know, it was a couple of revolvers and some hunting rifles and stuff, the stuff that are common or that are easier to come by in Sweden. Uh, and, and they blended really well with the, um, with the other recording stuff with, uh, that we had, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I was contacted recently by a junior sound designer who had just, uh, started out in the business. And that was one of my things. Like if you love recording stuff, that's your thing. And then you do that. But there's nothing wrong with uh, using um, someone else's recordings that they put up, put out, you know, um, for you to buy. If as long as you don't pirate it, you know, if if you buy it, then it's yours to use, and then you can focus the time that you save not recording your uh, recording the sounds yourself because it takes a lot of time and editing that stuff and stuff and so on. Um, 
the time that you save, you can put into the implementation and make the implementation a lot more sophisticated if you want to. So, so uh, those people who put stuff up for for sale, uh, they got to make money too. Like, if, why are why wouldn't you be one of those people that that give them some business? You know? Yeah, I don't think there's any sort of shame in that. And like you said, as long as you're not pirating it. There's there's definitely no wrong in it in that capacity. It's funny you mentioned Payday having like the shoestring budget, and it's so funny to hear that now, knowing Payday Two is like twenty or twenty five million users. Like it, it feels so long ago, but like now it's this major thing. Um, I first learned about you and your work when you did Bionic Commando. I, I remember writing in a very small site at the at the time. My boss being like, "You need to listen to this soundtrack. Like this is incredible, and it doesn't like sound like anything else." Uh, and that was around like 2008, 2009, but you've been doing this since, you know, early 2000s, even late nineties. When did you start to feel like you quote unquote made it, or at least started to find your footing in games? I don't know if I've made it now, you know, <laughs> oh, <I'm>, man. <laughs> to, to be, to be honest, uh, I've worked with my friends most of the time and they've been kind enough to hire me for whatever constellation or whatever, you know comp company they've been running so i mean i've been working with ulf anderson since 2000 uh through grin through overkill overkill was then bought by starbreeze so in starbreeze as well and then uh i i did some freelancing uh after i i quit starbreeze and my most prominent um customer was starbreeze (laughs) (laughs) and i was freelancing i did some other stuff but you know, it's uh, oh, I did, I actually did uh, uh, an entire game, uh, like all the sounds and all the music for a game called the Pan Pan, and um, that was that was published by the the reason why they hired me to do the the sound and the music was that it was published by um, Might and Delight, and those are old colleagues from. It's a company run by old colleagues from from Grin, so it's mostly through friends and you know those contacts that I get a job. Uh, so I don't know if I made it. You know, I can I can say this. I I know when I didn't make it, uh, or I I know a, a time when I got reminded that I hadn't made it really, uh, and that was I think 2015, 14, maybe even 13, 14 or thirteen. I was contacted by on LinkedIn by some some recruiter that was uh, trying to find senior sound designers for Gorilla Games. Oh, wow. And uh, they said that I matched the criteria for what they were looking for. And uh, they sent me this um, job. Uh, like a trial type of thing. Tr- yeah, exactly. So they sent me that. That was like one and a half minute or a minute or maybe even just 45 seconds. Pretty much an action scene from avatar uh and they'd taken away all the sound and you had to add it yourself like interesting your own stuff uh and you needed to do um, a stereo mix you needed to do a 5.1 mix as well with all the the camera swirling around and yeah you know how that movie is uh it was a fight between a mecha the 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 mech uh, mm. the commander guy sits in a mech and he's fighting one of the Navi characters uh, riding one of those panther like things with like eight uh, legs yeah. or something and uh, yeah I did that and they liked it uh, and actually flew me down to from from Stockholm to to uh, Amsterdam uh, where their office is and and my wife as well because if I would take the job then we would live there. You know, so they, they thought that, yeah, if your wife's going to live here, she, she needs to see if she likes the, the place as well. So we had a few days in, in Amsterdam and they uh, went on a job interview, but they they ended up choosing another guy. Uh, I would have loved to get the like, oh, we want you. And then I would have turned them down, actually, because I don't <laughs> know if I ever was really interested in moving, moving abroad. It, nothing against uh, Amsterdam. It was a lovely, lovely city. Uh, and... Uh, and nothing against the guerrilla games either, but I just, you know, we were thinking about starting a family and we have a daughter now and, and so on. And we just wanted to be, you know, closer to our parents and stuff like that. So, uh, but it was nice to getting, a, you know, nice getting a paid, paid uh, trip to Amsterdam. Uh, but they, they chose someone else. Um, and that was, that was for uh, Horizon Zero I say Dawn. That's probably for Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn. 
So I got I got to see like I got, of course I got to sign sign an, a non disclosure agreement with them, and then they showed me a lot of like early you know. I don't remember if they had any like gameplay that I could watch, but there was a lot of um, concept art, and and uh, they were discussing like what the what the game was all about, and they started asking me like, so for a game the open world sort of thing, what do you think? How many hours or how many minutes of music would be needed? I was like, you know, pulling numbers out of my ass because I have <laughs> no idea. I've never worked in in any you know open world project uh you know not, not many people have because i mean there's a reason why there's a few games like that it's super super hard to do uh, a game like that and uh, i've never been involved in a, in a game so i was sort of I, I was the whole time i was there i had you know this imposter complex and i was like they're gonna come on they they're they're on to me i'm a fraud like they're gonna realize <laughs> i don't know this stuff and uh i guess they they did because they did they hired someone else uh, but that was interesting playing the game afterwards because uh, it, it is a great game and it was it, it, I, I must commend them for for doing um a, a completely new ip you know not doing a sequel or some some existing you know, concept they they did something that was new, technically uh, a challenge to them because none of the games that they've done before had that kind of a structure. You know, with the open world yeah. and stuff, so huge uh, challenge for them. Uh, it must have been like if if they were uh, Rockstar games, you know, I wouldn't be that wouldn't be as impressive. It would still be a great game, of course, but I mean, th- so th- that was that was uh, badass, f- you know, of 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 guerrilla games to, to, to even go go there. Uh, but it was interesting playing it and thinking about the sound. Like I could have been the director because I wasn't. <laughs> it, they were they were looking for a, the a lead sound designer to to lead the entire team. So I had I had lunch with the people that I would be the boss of, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, so I would have been the lead sound designer on that. Uh, but it didn't turn out so that's when i knew uh i i still hadn't made it i still hadn't made it uh to the point where i could be hired by uh you know that sort of a triple a producing company where none of my friends are bosses you know this is a weird comparison but in the nba whenever a certain player who was supposed to be drafted very highly gets passed on by a whole bunch of teams they almost always have like the chip on their shoulder where they'll play harder than they would have otherwise because they feel like they got overlooked after you didn't get that job did you kind of have a chip on your shoulder just in terms of now i'm gonna go make even fucking better music and do even better sound design for other people to prove that i can have a job (laughs) of that magnitude it's like a breakup yeah i I gotta show her (laughs) yeah you gotta find someone else who's pretty out like she's the one who they're gonna realize that i was better than they thought (laughs) i don't know if i no no not certainly not consciously and i don't think subconsciously even i just continued like doing what i was doing uh i was working at i was still working at starbreeze at the time you mentioned before that you've worked with some people who are kind of the swiss army knife just in terms of they do a little bit of everything and you you weren't just a composer on buying a commando rearmed you were also the creative director i think for at least one or two uh how many different non-audio development skills have you picked up since getting into game development? Like, are you, let's say you want to make your own game tomorrow. Would you be able to do a lot of the art programming design and stuff? Or was creative direction something entirely different for that project? I would not be able to make my own game. Now. <laughs> I can tell you, uh, Ulf Anderson is the, 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 the guy. Like, he, he, he really has, he has all of it, like, in terms of, he can program AI behavior. He can program, uh, you know, post post effects and and uh, you know, camera behavior and and uh, like all of that that stuff that's required for games. He can concept art and three D graphics and and uh, and everything. Uh, super talented. And I, uh, when when uh, my sound designer colleague started doing. Um, uh, level design i was i started thinking maybe i can do something because i <laughs> got sort of a, like a, um you know inferiority complex of some sort anyway i i started thinking maybe i should start doing um uh visual effects like you know uh, muzzle flashes and explosions and three it's like 2d paints or through mm. 2d like billboards uh but they're if they move in a certain way they, it looks like it's 3d um 
Yeah, but uh, I haven't actually gotten into it because I've just dived deeper into the, the technical implementation aspect of both the music and the uh, the sound design. Yeah, uh, but it uh, it's not. Um, I I don't rule out going into that area. You know, at some point, it's. I just started into game development three months ago, and even though I'm in production, you do see the different artists, or you see people who are in a sound design, or you see programmers. And even if that's an entirely different language to me, you do have those moments of like, oh, it'd be cool to kind of dig into that and learn a little bit more about that because it is i have a respect for those people who can just do things so incredibly well that i could barely even wrap my head around um mm-hmm. you were with grin for, i think it was around a nine-year run that you guys were making games um i know development's changed quite a bit since 2000 but do you have a biggest lesson you learned while you were there because i think it was like from 2006 2009 you guys were releasing at least one game every single year, which had to be a really difficult schedule to keep up. So is there anything that stands out that you've taken from that run that's helped you maybe be more successful in you know your current game development job? I don't know. That's a, that's a difficult question. I, um, I'm just happy that I've been have the you know <clears throat> opportunity to try different things. Even, even when I, um, I was doing the, um, all the music and all the sound design and, and implementation of that stuff, uh, with the help of programmers because there was no like dedicated uh dedicated uh software for me to use yeah. um so i was often collaborating with a programmer to to, to hook the uh, different um you know the sounds to to the dis- different functions in the game um but i was doing all that stuff for for grin and then um, grin did uh, advanced warfighter the first one in 2005 i think 2005 and 2006 we did uh, advanced warfighter one and two uh for the pc version and uh tom salta was a is a composer uh a uh, very prolific and uh a successful guy doing uh, music for for a lot of games and i guess tv shows and, and maybe movies and stuff as well anyway he did the music for the console version and of course they used that music for the for the pc version as well but there was a different sound design like we had, we had to do a completely different implementation for the sound. So I redid all of the weapon sounds and all the foley and stuff. Uh, so that was nice. Like for two years, I didn't do any music, and I could just focus on working on sound. And I was kind of forced into that. Of course, I would have loved to do the music. I could never have done it as well as Tom did, <laughs> and as, at least not back in two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, I was using, you know, hobby sort of freeware programs uh software to do music um and uh by the time we were doing Bionic commander rearmed in 2007 2008 doing development there that's when we it kind of clicked like yeah i can i can use these sort of um primitive synthesizer sounds that i can master and it kind of fits the product yeah uh because uh the, the original soundtrack is sort of this you know these primitive NES sound chip sounds, and it it sort of suits it. You know when you're doing a reinterpretation or a remix to have something similar, rather than doing you know the orchestral version or something. Uh, it it's closer to the original, but it has more like heavier drums, like something some inspired by the Prodigy and um, Chemical Brothers and and. Uh, the crystal method and, and those kind of artists that I, I like to listen to a lot. Uh, but yeah, and I could never have done, uh, the sort of that what Tom Salta was doing, uh, and is still doing, um, uh, very, this sort of like a Hollywoody actiony, you know, sort of music with, with strings yeah. and stuff. I'm, I'm, I've just started dabbling with that stuff now, you know, uh, in recent years, and I have no classical training in composition or anything, so it's 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 difficult uh, orchestration and you know choosing what the string sh- sections should play and what the horns should play and and make it work. It's I'm just going, you know, it sounds kind of you know you're, you're basing <laughs> it off of something you've heard, so it's mostly like cliches that you're trying to like grind through your own. Uh, m- it, it's your interpretation of of something and then 
that makes it sort of original, but it's it's mostly like what things you've heard. Oh, that works for Daniel and you know Danny Elfman. So uh, maybe I can have the Glockenspiel in my you know. Uh, I, I digress. You know, I I am the best at that. Yeah, <laughs> you were asking uh, what I learned, but yeah, uh, I just you know I just you you crunch a lot and. Uh, I can't say that that was a good thing. Like maybe, you know, the products came out. That was a good thing that they, because they probably wouldn't have if we would have run out of money even earlier than we did uh, if we didn't work like we did. But yeah. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have, you know, I lived for my job back then. So, um, I, and you get more, uh, I guess, not cynical. What's the word? Uh, you you just get more, um you know, we, 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 through, through the years, you get more like if 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 you're not doing it for yourself, mm. then uh, you're not doing it. Like yeah, you find things that are more important than working all the time. Yeah, uh, the, the thing is that we have sort of a setup where uh, now with G, with uh, GTFO, we're 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 all partners, which is a nice thing. So, uh, but you know, when I became a dad less than two years ago, it's 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 difficult to go into. Do you think people have gotten better at avoiding crunch now that it's maybe become more of a public topic and and people who have been in the games industry longer have certain tricks or ways to avoid it? Like, have you had to crunch less the longer you're in the industry now that, like you mentioned, you have a wife and a kid? I have no idea because, uh, I mean, I've, I have, I don't have contact, I don't keep in contact with people in other companies, so I don't know how much they crunch at other places really you started working with established properties around the end of grin i think it was terminator and then there was also wanted weapons of fate and i guess you know bionic commando is all, all also something that was established before you worked on it do you have more well, even ghost recon was, oh yeah but... didn't you think ghost recon too do you have more parameters or more instruction on how those games are supposed to sound because you're working with someone else's ip are you given a hey a terminator game sounds like this or a ghost recon game sounds like this or are you given full freedom in making those different soundtracks i actually didn't work on the music for not for the the terminator salvation game not for the wanted weapons of fate game uh so no uh i wouldn't be able to answer that but um i know the composers we had in in-house composer the composers that did that so it's not like the movie studio wanted to use the move the music from from the movie or you know hire the same composer or it has had to be someone of their choosing they they um, they gave that responsibility to to us as a game developer and we had in-house swedish composers actually one was norwegian but i mean Nor- norway was swedish a uh, hundred years ago so <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just ribbing the um, the Norwegians. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it, it was just people from 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 the from the office that did that. It didn't have to be like uh, renowned, you know, Hollywood composers doing it. Yeah. Uh, and those those guys did a great job. And of course, uh, you know, someone from from Hollywood wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it the way um, you need to do it in order to implement the music in a game where it has to be adaptive. Um, but yeah, uh, I I did the I did like the most important sounds, the weapon sounds for the for the main character, uh, and some other sounds for uh, Wanted Weapons of Fate. And actually, the movie studio sent us the entire movie's sound channel. Oh wow! So no dialogue and no music, just the sound. So it was like a one hour forty minutes, you know, stereo mix. With just the the sounds, so that we can listen for it and and have us. I don't remember if they told us not to use it, like we couldn't use it. Uh, you know, cut, you know, edit things from it and put it in in the game. But I think we did anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of those sounds were just you know mouth watering. You know where it's like if you've seen the movie, even even now, uh, almost ten years later, you still remember the slow mo yeah. sequences where he you know you can see the hammer or whatever you know landing on the back of the casing of the bullet and the ignition and the bullet like going through the 
the barrel or what I don't know. And I don't even know the names of the different parts of a weapon in, in not in English. That, that sounded right. You know so it's like <laughs> when the, the bullets is like it's super slow motion and everything sounds huge. Uh so it's like when when the when the yeah, it's like a huge hammer landing on uh, you know it was nice it was also nice from a like a from like a educational standpoint to just you know be able to to listen to that so i as i if i recall it correctly i listened to it from beginning to end and just you know sat there with my eyes closed and was like so this is this this is you know every second of this is some someone's added either recorded on set and then mixed it and, and put it in in this track uh or they've you know it's a lot of sound design as well and it was just super cool to to hear the and really be able to appreciate the craft of just the sound design in the movie no dialogue no music and even no no not even the visuals just you know sort of sort of nerd sort of a you know super nerdy thing to just listen to the to that stuff but uh, i enjoyed it yeah well i would assume if this is you know so much of your life it might seem nerdy to other people well that has to be awesome just to be able to kind of like you said close your eyes and just take all that in um in in terms of popularity and player count i would assume payday 2 is probably your most listened to um soundtrack for a game or whichever aspect of the audio you did with that one but do you have a personal favorite that maybe it's not as well known but something that you made um whether it was at the very start of your career just recently that you're the most proud of i know before it seems like everyone's a very strong critic of their older work so maybe you look back on your old stuff and you're like god that's all terrible i could do so much better now but is there anything that stands out well first of all i was just going to mention that i'm super happy that the the payday 2 soundtrack uh, has become as popular as as it has because when i i did when i did the bionic commander rearmed uh the remixed soundtrack i was like so this is the, this is where I peak, you know. I'm I'm not going to be able to, and I wasn't even thirty, so uh, I was like, this is this is where I peak, and uh, I'm not going to be able to to, to to top this because it was acclaimed by pretty much everyone. You know, people, fans loved it, and uh, the consumers or the gamers loved it, and the uh, the reviews were all like the, the soundtrack's awesome, and it kind of bugged me that I I knew, I hadn't written the songs actually. I had produced it and i had like chosen how to reinterpret the songs of course and and i've done a lot of thinking and and producing and 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 the creative you know work uh but it wasn't my chord progressions it wasn't my melodies and harmonies uh and i i in the back of my mind it was like people love this stuff partly maybe for the even for the most part the the reason why it's so successful is because I have nostalgia on my side, you know, Yeah, it's not new music. People love the music because they've heard the songs before and now they're updated. So then when the Payday soundtrack or the Payday 2 soundtrack, maybe uh, to an even greater degree, um, became popular, I was like, mm, maybe I can, I got, I got something like that. That was nice to, to kind of, because all the music in those games are original. Uh, so that was nice uh, as a, to reinforce my my ego and my <laughs> self it's, i don't know whatever uh so that's nice uh but yeah as you say you know you if you in the beginning of your career when you start doing stuff it's like if you if if you're not you can do something and two days later you listen to it and it's like oh this is horrible i'm so much better now you know 48 hours later uh and when you get to the point where it's like you can listen to something that's two years old or even four years old and it's like this is kind of good then you know you're you're um you've come somewhere in terms of you know the ability to produce and and mix and stuff uh but still i'd say if if you can listen to something that's five years old or older and and not hear you know um flaws or even you know get a little bit you know maybe throw up in your mouth a little bit then uh, you're not uh developing or progressing uh fast enough you, you know you gotta you gotta keep learning you gotta keep getting better uh so you should actually not like your old stuff if you do then you're as bad now as you were back then <laughs> uh so yeah it, it's true as uh, what you say is true like you i can't listen to the old stuff and not 
it bothers me a lot how poorly it's mixed how poorly it's produced and like there's i mean it's good it happens some have like oh this is a, that's a nice beat or that's a nice melody and that's a cool sound but it doesn't like sit together the way it uh it's supposed to uh and what's nice with with payday 2 is actually uh when they've added the payday the first the the the, the heists because there were there was a really like limited amount of heists from the for the first payday game mm-hmm. And the second painting game, it's been more like a plethora of heists. Uh, and they started adding, reinterpreting the first the, the, the heist from the first payday game. And then they asked me to, to remix the, my own tracks from the first payday game for the for the sequel. Uh, so that those new, those the heists from the first game came with interpret, reinterpreted or remixed versions of the, the sounds. So yeah, that, that was a cool thing because then I could listen to the original track and like I can... I got a second shot at this now. Um, and for the most part, I, I tried to, to do something different. So if the original track was a drum and bass song, then maybe I did a house remix. And if the original track was like a, a house song that I made like a breakbeat version of it or something, uh, changed the tempo or something. So there was a or more like guitars and rock influences in it or toned that down, toned down the record, uh, the, the, the gritty or the, the uh, the guitars and did something more electronic uh, or synthetic sounding, uh, so it wasn't really like an HD version of the song, but really something entirely new. Yeah, uh, uh, that was cool. Uh, but, but yeah, I've been talking for like four minutes, maybe. Uh, I still <laughs> haven't don't. answered your question. You don't uh, that answers it's, it. Um, it's uh, it's it's difficult to pick something, uh, but. If there's some secret, there's actually there there is this. Um, we did ballistics back in that was the first game actually that I worked on. Oh wow! Uh, Grin's first game. Uh, we worked on it through 2000 or something like that. We we uh, we did demos for it in '99. I was still in school. Uh, I, I studied, and then when Grin, you know, had some. Um, success and found some uh investors that were willing to to start paying people uh or paying the giving the company some some um some money mm-hmm. then uh, we could lift a salary uh and um i i quit my um whatever i was studying and uh started working for grin in 2000 so we worked on that uh and in 2001 that was released and then uh that caught the eye of some canadian arcade manufacturer or game developer or some sort or maybe they were like producers because they they didn't produce the game they didn't develop the games themselves so maybe game developer is the wrong word but they hired us to do uh, first of all, they did a, a ballistics, like an arcade version of ballistics, uh, the racing game, and then they wanted us to do some something that was tailored for for the arcade machine. So we actually made a, an entire arcade game that isn't available on any other platform. Oh wow! So what is it is like a secret. It's game? called yeah. That's a that's a secret game, and I, that's actually the first one I thought of when they said this. There's something like some secret thing, and uh, I think that soundtrack for that was I was super happy with it, and it was really cool. And then they actually scrapped all of it. Oh no! Uh, and and had someone else do it, and uh, I don't even know if I still have the songs for it. Uh, I remember I did them in Fast Tracker too um which was the uh, my software of choice back then and uh i mean that was a hobby hobbyist sort of program or soft piece of software um e- even back then uh but i managed to to do some 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 great tracks in there uh but that's sort of a lost i don't know lost gem that's that's a I bummer guess. that's lost maybe someone will eventually dig that up and find it cuz i had no idea about it uh, and you did just mention um, some of the early like software tools we were using, and you also mentioned earlier that a, a junior sound designer had reached out to you. Is there something that, if someone were to reach out to you today and be like, "How do I get the job that you have?" or "How do I get into sound design and games?" Do you have a piece of advice, like a singular thing that you think is super helpful that you wish 
younger Simon Vickland would have known right now? Is there a certain tool or just a certain aspect of game development that you've learned over the course that would have really helped you out earlier on? I actually get those emails every once in a while. People <laughs> ask me, Doc, how do you how do you get into the business? How do you get you know into sound design? Mostly it's music. The thing is, I can't really guide people because, as I said, I've I've been working with my friends, so it's it's been all about contact, you know, all about serendipity with you know knowing the right people for me. Yeah. Uh, so I, if I lived my life again, I'm not sure it would have turned out the same way because it. it I, I, I could not rely on my own ability to find find this job. It's been like falling into my lap, sort of. So, uh, it's kind of unfair, I guess. Life life is like that, I guess. It's hard to say something I would have done better. Like maybe, you know, clo- you need a cl- you need close collaboration with a with with a programmer if you don't know programming yourself, so that you don't just do great sounds but actually that they're implemented in a sophisticated enough way now there's third-party software that sits between the game engine and you so you can just you know drag you know sliders uh back and forth and like check boxes and 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 uh you know it's very like drag and drop and super user-friendly uh the things that you would have to program 10 years ago you know uh or 15 years ago yeah but no i can't think of not a i don't have a good answer to to, to that question i'm sorry it's a good question but it's um yeah it's hard to to point to something that's that's really profound well i think in general when you're talking to someone about how do you get into games whether it be games media game development any of that stuff i think your answer is probably the way a lot of people feel is just my you know your journey was so specific to you whether it be contacts or being in a specific place at a specific time you can tell someone hey learn this or work at this or get better in this way but if they don't have the right contacts or if they might maybe they're in the wrong state or the wrong country it can sometimes just be hard there's no foolproof one way to do something like that what I usually what my my you what I usually answer is you <clears throat> there's three things three things either you're super talented like you got natural talent for for making music or whatever or and there's working really hard and there's contacts that get you you know the gigs you need to have two out of those three yeah if you got all three you're set and it's it's really really hard to just get by on one of them even if you have if you're super talented if you don't work hard if or got the contacts you're not going to get the jobs you know you're not going to get your music out there even if it's great and likewise if you don't have if you have the contacts but and you're talented but you don't work hard then i mean eventually they're going to drop you you just have to i mean you can't control you can't con- sort of control your contacts i guess to a certain degree and that's why i always tell people like get on the forums like join i don't know where the forums are because i i'm i'm only in contact with with the people i work with but there are forums discussion forums online for everything so i know there are discussion forums for like indie developers and they're looking for sound designers and you can get on i mean you're not your first project when you when you start out is not going to be horizon zero dawn uh, for me it wasn't even horizon zero dawn <laughs> when i had been in the business for for 12 years you know uh so it's not going to be the first project for you uh so uh just just understand that it's going to take like four or five years maybe before you can live off of this you know you, you got to start out you know helping some group that is doing mods for skyrim i don't know or doing you know mods for far cry or something yeah. i don't know what what the games are that they're doing mods for but they're doing like a, their own version of it and they want you know custom music or they want sound design and, and stuff and then you can help them out and it, maybe it's a, something you do in your spare time because there's no money in the project but that gets your foot in the door sort of they th- those guys the programmers and the artists and whatever who, animators or whoever's working on that stuff y- if you're a good colleague and you keep in contact with those people 
even if it's just online, you just keep in touch with those people from your home. You don't, you don't have an office, you know, it's not a job in that regard. It's, it's sort of a, you know, spare time project for, 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 for a couple of guys and girls maybe. Uh, and, um, if, if you're just, you know, a positive influence and you're just saying, yeah, I'd love to do that. And, you know, and you're easy to work with and you do good, good stuff, you know, they're going to remember you. And if one of those guys or girls get a job in the industry, they're going to remember you. And then they're your contact on the inside. And they, when whatever company they have been hired by is looking for someone who can do music or sound design, maybe that person will think of you and, and, put in a good word for you, you know? So it doesn't even have to be you getting, you know, a, a work from, from that, but someone else gets work and that kind of rubs off on you or something. It's this cascading effect where I think you're right, where you do, you might meet someone, work well with them, and then they might get, they might end up at Guerrilla Games, let's say, and start working on Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever the hell they're going to call that thing. And suddenly it's like, oh, I remember this person. I worked well with them. Let's bring them on for this. So it is kind of a, again, you need to put the work in, but it is also right place, right time, right person, you know, which again is why this is so hard to just have a, here's the blueprint. Um, Last major thing, because you are working on a game right now. Uh, what are you most excited about when it comes to GTFO? Because I've been seeing a lot of positive buzz surrounding it. It looks really great. Um, whether it's sound design or otherwise, is there anything that really stands out about the project for you? Yeah, both with with sound. B- b- I'm, I'm I'm casting the voice actors, uh, recording them, editing the voice lines, and you know, coming up with the stuff that they. Oh, maybe they can talk about. You know, we have a super advanced like dialogue system where any any tr- any voice line that we trigger, even if it's just you know. Ah, you know, someone hurting from a fall damage, like they, they fall from a height, that can start a dialogue. And I have the, the power actually with our uh, proprietary, you know, dialogue system to go in and, and sort of code that stuff. Uh, one of the programmers has, has created this system where I can go in and like, so the characters can actually be like, one f- f- gets fall damage, mm. like, ah, and then another guy in the crew can be like, oh, what happened? I fell down. I, sorry, I'm, I just hurt my, my ankle or something. Okay. You know, watch where you're going or, you know, it's, uh, it's tricky to, to navigate the, you know, the, the, the corridors or, and it's hard to see in the dark where you just watch out in the future or something like that. So, and we can put like a, how probable it is that it starts a dialogue or when the, if a dialogue is triggered, it can't be triggered again for 30 minutes or something like that so that it doesn't happen all the time. But every once in a while, like something like mundane happens, like you pick up ammo or something and that, that triggers sort of a, a banter between the characters, which is super cool. So we can just come up with anything. And I love that stuff. That So, so the banter system is super, super cool. Uh, we had, you know, the characters talking a lot more in the, in the first payday game. And then we removed that in the second one to make it easier to record the the sound uh the 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 voice lines because then just the character on the on the radio you know the guy in the in the earpiece who gives you the information that guy is the only one pretty much talking and give you the the sort of custom commands for for each heist uh that being me of course the voice of bane uh but yeah uh fans really missed that from from the dialogue between the characters. So for GTFO, we're trying to sort of amend it or, uh, you know, get back into what we were doing, uh, in the first payday game, uh, but doing even doing, do it even better. And, uh, it's the same with the, the, the audio, uh, the sound design and the music as well. It's just, you know, I'm trying to write the, the best music I can. Uh, and I'm trying to just do the best sound that I can, but even if it's a super cool sound, uh, for like some sort of a sci-fi engine powering up or something. It's not, uh, if you don't implement it in, the, in a way that sounds cool, like it reflects off the walls or there's some, some real time, you know, we have this glue gun and uh, I just started like every single glue blob that it fires should have its own individual, individual sound. Uh, so when you're standing and it's a multiplayer game, of course. So if, if one of your teammates is firing the glue gun, 
pat so the the blobs are sort of flying past your ear then you can actually hear like uh, these like sort of like, yeah. you know the sounds of the blobs and then uh making the sounds for, of them landing and if one lands on a part of the, the the surface where there's already glue then it sounds different from from the f- the first piece of glue that lands there so when they kind of melt together there's a sound as well so just thinking of these things like it should be to make it sound alive to make it sound different like oh if you fire over things that actually where the glue actually has effect like you fire on the doors then it sounds different from when you're firing just on the walls where it doesn't ha- actually have any gameplay impact on the gameplay because you want to glue the doors so we need a different sound for that so you're trying to think of all these like teaching the player through the sound like making even if it's subtle uh i'd like to think that people sort of subconsciously pick it up like yeah it's a more satisfying sound when you fire at the things where the glue actually has effect so doing that stuff you know and the music as well like i I like doing the music for payday but it's you know the system is super like simple we're just going between like oh it's assault now and then after the assault is over it goes back down into sort of a a loop where the intensity is lower and then it just there's this build up of 30 seconds and it goes back into the assault music and the music for gtfo is like miles ahead in terms of like how adaptive it is and uh, it being sort of a horror game or having a horror aspect to it um, lends itself to doing you know things that are out of the rhythm or not on the beat uh so it allows us to be or it allows me to to be sort of going crazy with the music being super responsive because you know you get sort of jump scary things that can happen uh, at any point and you got like music that goes down in tempo and like shifts in 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 um the key shifts or there's like pitching you know it's just unnerving you know to listen to there's no beat that you can you're it's not going to be the sort of sound check where you start nodding your head and you're digging the music because that's not the mood we want the player to be in when they play gtfo yeah so i've already come to terms with the fact that you know the the gtfo soundtrack is never going to be as popular as the payday 2 soundtrack because it's not going to lend itself to listening outside of the game it's not going to be the sort of music that you want to like work out to or go out running or you know (laughs) studying or whatever i get me emails from people like i love sounding listening to the music when i drive you know and i always drive too fast like when i it makes me pumped up you know or whatever or when they work out they listen to my music that's to, to the payday soundtrack but it's not that's not going to be the case with GTFO. <laughs> i just decided like okay i'm going to make music that serves the atmosphere of the game and that means i gotta take the back seat sort of the music has to take the back seat uh as opposed to the payday soundtrack which is like super in your face unapologetic like i didn't even care that the music is like if people don't like the music they can turn the, turn it down i'm just making music that's supposed to work even on a dance the dance floor of a club <laughs> or something like i want to do it's not going to be subtle in any way it has all it has the bass it has the it's not going to be just oh it's supposed to add a little bit of like a pulse so it's subtle like it's something like that uh, but that's sort of my approach now for for GTFO. M- more like s- subtle stuff and more responsive stuff, and and uh, just reining in my own. You know, it's hard sometimes to to. I gotta put a what do you call put it? Put a muzzle on almost. Like you gotta. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I have a hard time holding back uh and i i uh, i always want to let's add you know guitars or rocks you know stuff and it's not that's not the that's not it's not the place you know in gtfo it's supposed to be unnerving and scary uh it's not but you're not going into those dark corridors and you're and and feeling like you're cool you know yeah payday is a power fantasy and that's where it it's cool to to run into the bank and be like get the work down on the ground and <laughs> and then the music is supposed to be like really you know you're awesome uh you're doing what no one else like it's it's a escapism you're doing the danger like something you're not supposed to do like you're robbing a bank or something yeah you're you're a cool guy in a mask uh the gfo is another beast uh and it's uh 
yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. So that's where, really where I'm putting all my time now, like trying to think of how to like make it more detailed, more deeper, you know, all the systems uh, with both the sound and the, the dialogue and the, and the music. I'm excited to hear it. Uh, I, I know it's supposed to come out in 2018. So when are we going to hear more info about the game? And last thing, where can people find you on social media? We're going, to, uh, this is, a, uh, we're discussing it uh, t- today, actually. Um, we're we're, we're going to be at um, Gamescom. Oh, awesome. And that's actually not something we've told anyone. So you're the first to know. Oh, exclusive. Um, yeah, that's exclusive. But uh, we're not as sure at this point because it's going to be in the business area. We're not sure, you know, anyone can walk in and just and play it. So um, with, with the risk of making, you know, fans of, of or people who are interested in GTFO disappointed if they're going to, to, uh, to Gamescom in, in Cologne, then um, it's um, not might not be possible to try the game out, uh, but we we might you know we will be on Twitter and social media and be like you know if there's time or if there's a possibility we'll we'll tell people to like drop by if there's a like a a, a hole in the schedule where we could fit people in. Um, and are you at Simon Vickland on Twitter? I am, yeah, exactly. And Twitter is is where I'm the most active. So, I mean, I have a, a an Instagram account, and I have even have like an official Spotify account where I have some <coughs> playlists and stuff that you can listen to. But uh, yeah, Twitter is the best best uh, way to, to to keep in touch or keep in the loop because uh, that's where I'm most active. All right, perfect, Simon. Thanks so much for doing this. It was just funny looking back, like you mentioned, through those old emails and sending you this track and you know hopefully it's it was a cool kind of tour through memory lane when you heard that uh really love all the stuff you do it was great talking to you today and i can't wait to actually play gtfo this year thanks for having me thanks everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099